0: You've tuned into localjobnetwork.com radio, and you're listening to the LGN Radio Quad, where our radio hosts gather to share their thoughts, ideas, and perspectives on all topics employment-related. I'm Lynn Molitor, and joining me in the Quad today is Jacqueline Peterson. Hello. Azra Mahara. Hello. And Laura McBain. Hi, everybody. We have a variety of topics to talk about, and Azure is going to start us off.
1: All right. Well, I wanted to talk about um, bad credit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm sure everyone's heard you know, how bad credit can affect if you get a job or your job search um, and just kind of your your potential of being hired. So I kind of wanted to talk, is that really true? Um, what kind of jobs is that really true in, if it is? And if that's the case, do we have any recommendations for our listeners?
0: I have to admit, I never heard of this. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. So it
1: was like a new. It was a new concept <laughs> to me. I'm yeah. Like really? I don't know a lot about it, but I've heard it. You know. So, mm-hmm. it's wanted... perfectly legal to do. That was the surprise
0: of... to me when I was reading that article. That it is legal to do. You can't do criminal background checks
2: necessarily. <laughs> you
0: can do. I credit mean, there's trust. some, <laughs> th- there's some um, issues there, but you can do credit. Yeah. What them.
2: industries, Laura? I don't think there's really a whole lot of restrictions based on it. There's a federal law that allows you to do it. I mean, you can do it under the Fair Credit Reporting Act, but the and there's some states now. I think there's only about eight states now that have filtered in with, um, you know, restrictions on that. So oh. it's kind of there's. I think the the a number of employers doing it though is. I think the last count I heard from, like, a SHRM survey was about 47%. And they're not, you know, some that's do it That's high. still significant. It is yeah. high. It is high. But I'm hoping that, and because there's not a lot of data on it, but I'm hoping that it's mostly for jobs that, you know, would matter. You right. Know, like, yeah. You know, financial. Financial, banking. Like but if you're I mean, in charge of
1: the company's money, mm-hmm, basically. Mm-hmm. But well, there's a fair number of people out
2: there that are getting denied work based on their credit history. And, of course, you have a lot of extenuating circumstances. You know, we've just come out of right. or are, are crawling up out of, you know, the— The, the um, Great Recession. The Great Recession, <laughs> yes. So, you know, you've got a lot of people that are out of work. And what happens when you're out of work? You you know, you can't pay your bills. You buy food instead of paying the, the light bill or something like that. So you've got a lot of people that, you know, in those circumstances that their credit was hampered by that. And— So, I don't know. It's a tough one. It's a really tough one because, you know, should that in any position, should you be allowed to do that in any position or should it be, you know, geared more toward like, you know, when you're doing, you know, criminal background checks and you can only deny based on if it's related to the job or something like that. So, um, I would expect that we'd be seeing more along the lines of maybe more states coming up with restrictions on this as more and more people get denied and it starts Right. You know, becoming more popular in the news, so to speak. But
1: I mean, it, it's just kind of crazy to me. I, I don't know if I agree with it personally, um, if if it should be. But I, I do at the same time can mm-hmm. understand, uh, like Laura was saying, if it if you handle a company's money and things like that. And I know that in college there, we had a financial advisor. And I happen to know that she also had a huge gambling problem. And so, like, mm-hmm. I refuse to ever go to her for yeah, her. <laughs> yeah. any kind of financial advice. Yeah. because. But, you know, so I guess it's kind of the same thing. But like you said, Laura, there's there's a lot of different circumstances that could have caused your bad credit. So.
2: It can. I mean, I've known some people that I've worked with that have had really bad credit. And, you know— some circumstances you can go, oh, okay, you know, I can understand a one-time thing. But if it's a continual behavior, then it, and it really goes to show your character sometimes. So I think in some ways I can go ahead and say, yeah, it's really a good indication of a person's character and their background and maybe how they're going to perform. But in some other instances, it's not. And then kind of the way they have it structured is that, you know, you have to get written permission to do it. So, I mean, that's one of the things. From
3: the individual that you're Right. So they
2: have to give you written permission to conduct the background check. And then, you know, you have to, of course, notify them that you're going to do it. Okay. And then they have a chance, you know, once you get, you know, the report, you have to give it to them. And then they have a chance, you know, if there's anything on there to, you know, I think it's like three to five days you have to give them to maybe explain things or to dispute maybe things. Because sometimes you have stuff on your credit check that... You know, it may not be, you know, identity theft and all that other stuff. Right. You may have stuff on there that's not even related to you. Yeah. I've so never, there's a lot of different things that could happen. I've never seen one
0: on myself. I could think it's all rosy and there could be a
3: mistake on it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Some people don't check their credit. I mean, they always say, oh, you make sure you check your credit history. But right. But some people don't. I mean.
3: Yeah. So I would say for our job seekers out there, if you're working with a potential employer that wants to run a background check on you, maybe do one on your – or a financial background mm-hmm. check on you. Maybe yeah. do one on yourself right. first. Right, first. So you know. And see what's on your credit report. And actually, you should be checking your credit report pretty <laughs> regularly, <laughs> and but, at least once a year.
1: But be aware that if you check your credit report a lot, doesn't that that also cause – Cause dings. Yeah, dings on your – and sometimes those uh, websites that claim to be free um, – I know that can they have, like, little tricks in there where if you get, like, the advanced thing,
3: all of a sudden you get charged X amount of dollars. So yeah. just be aware of that, too. I think if you check it, like, once a year, you mm-hmm. should be good. And they're, like, soft checks, not mm-hmm. hard checks. Like, if you were getting a house, that's considered oh, a hard right. check, and then that will ding you. But if you're just checking once a year and mm-hmm. have little alerts and then they'll send you updates, it should be fine.
2: Yeah. yeah well, that's, some, so, that's some good advice. Yeah.
1: So basically, would that be the advice that we have is just... Watch it yourself and try not to have bad credit. <laughs>
0: well, and I think be prepared that right. this yeah. could that this could be a background yeah. check yeah. on you that you're not aware mm-hmm. of. Because mm-hmm. I sure wasn't aware of it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Moving on, Jacqueline, you had an interesting topic for us that we had to do a little thinking about in preparation.
3: Yes. Um, you know, we are an organization that definitely puts a lot of energy into processes and procedures. And a lot of times when you bring someone new into the organization, you know, you, we're explaining processes, procedures, why this adds value and whatnot. And it can be a little bit um overwhelming for the new people just because there's so many like ways to go about doing something mm-hmm. and they just want to do it. And actually, I was working with someone today who um, went ahead and improved something and didn't follow the process that we had talked about previously. So I just sent an email and said, you know, hey, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But just so you know, this is how we do it. And we've done it that way. So I just wanted... You to maybe share some stories that you've had, where maybe you had a processy or that your process that you had to develop that actually added value and made the process easier. Just so, you know, just to help our listeners know that um, procedures and and having sort of um, a, a a map, if you will, from A to Z on how to get things done are there for a reason.
1: Well, um, I don't know if this is necessarily. <laughs> um, it, it is. It's a procedure, but I used to when I I first came to this organization. I wanted to get it done. I just wanted to move on with the task. And um, one thing that I learned about our organization is that we love spreadsheets. (laughs) (laughs) At first, that was hard for me to really, you know, master and and get down um, because I just, I wanted to continue with it instead of developing a checklist of what had to be done and then going through that checklist. But now... Um, years later, I love them. And so (laughs) if I'm doing something or we have some kind of procedure, uh, you know, my first thing is, well, why don't we make a checklist about that? Or why don't we put together a spreadsheet with, you know, X, Y, Z? Because eventually you have so much on your plate that you need to have things documented and in like a quick spot to go to. Um, So I I would just say like in general, um, one of the procedures that we do as a team in my department is we make sure that we have spreadsheets. Everybody's aware of where they are at. So if you need to check in with me, instead of stopping me in the middle of my day and being like, hey, what's going on with this, you can just check at the spreadsheet and it's mm. done. So update your spreadsheets. Yeah, <laughs> Spreadsheets are good. I've had to do a lot of different
2: process changes in some of the jobs that I've worked in, quite a few actually. Um, healthcare is probably the biggest one because I've worked for some companies that you know, perhaps you go into and they don't have very well defined processes in, you know in place already because um, you know the people that maybe they've, they've had managing you know prior to don't have you know a background in management and, and things of that nature. So you know I've been in situations where you have to go in and literally kind of just define almost the whole organizational process as far as you know reporting procedures. So you know because sometimes you go in and it's chaos, and I think having those processes in place. As to you know, the chain of command, or who do you go to with, you know, which particular thing? Like, if it's a you know medication issue, you go to the nurse. If it's a um, personnel issue, obviously you go to human resources, and so forth. And and really just defining those and making it, you know, a document in place for people so they know who in to a go to. It, was, it wasn't a spreadsheet. that had phone numbers too. <laughs> just things, little things like that, that I think can make the day go so much easier. And then just you know, a lot of times you have to go in and and really define you know certain processes from a human resource standpoint. You know, um, you know, from a CYA. You know, if you're you know documenting termination, you know, what is the process that you're going to use? And, and what, what does is,
3: CYA stand for?
2: <laughs> covering your assets. Oh making sure that you know you're you're minding the store so to speak okay <laughs> <laughs> so i think from my perspective it's all just been kind of making sure that you know processes are followed they make sense you know even as far as checking in medications you know i've been at places where it's kind of jumble who's doing it you know but as jacqueline you know she gets a little bit of a history as well in healthcare, I mean it's really important when you're, you know, checking in medications and and narcotics and things like that to have a really well defined process in place. Otherwise, things might end up missing. So. Well, and there's a reason.
0: There's, there's a reason too for it, and it could be, um, you know, two healthcare organizations could have two completely different processes, but hmm They work for whatever reason.
3: I think that's a key, Lynn, is that there's a reason why the process is in place. Yeah. And I think that's what people forget. They think, well, I just, I mean, the, right. we can do it this way. It, it's like, well, take a step back. Don't you think we've already probably done it that way? And yeah. we've tested it out, and it's probably not the best way to go about mm-hmm. it. So that's why we've developed this way of doing it. And I think that's the biggest thing, especially for new people, is getting them to have that buy-in to understand that, We can do it that way, and we probably already have, but now we've figured out and mastered the best way to do it, and this is it. Now, if you've got feedback and you're saying, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is really relevant anymore. Or why do you do it? Right. Right. Or this is how we can improve it. Right. That's totally open to it. But I think if you're coming into an organization that uses – procedures and documents everything in Excel spreadsheets and whatever, um, there's usually a rationale for it. And if you don't understand it, just ask. And another something that I think is most helpful because I have um, new direct reports is that when it's documented, you can delegate that to one of your Mm -hmm. more senior team members and have them do Mm -hmm. it. And that's, to me, what's added the most value, especially when your time is limited. It's like, hey, you know, You know, they need training on X, Y, Z. It's already documented. Go through it and um, train them a few times and let me know if you need help. And, you know, it's so Mm -hmm. helpful because then everyone is kind of pitching in, helping mentor the new people. Um, But then those new people aren't waiting for you to come around and finally give them everything. And it's not the same speech that you're giving every month when you're hiring new people. And everyone
0: goes through the same yeah. The same learning curve.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah
1: I'm, so. a, I'm about to embark on a, a big training project um, where I'm training somebody that's coming in um, to cover me while I'm out on maternity <laughs> leave. And we, we did the same thing. We set up so many different procedures and we documented everything so that – you know if there's questions while I'm out or if there's anything that comes up that everything is there. So
3: And I like to document things to the point where it's literally color by numbers where you could pull Joe off the street and he could come in and do it.
0: Oh, yeah. Right. I think everyone would mm-hmm. love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a whole like timing thing. Yeah.
3: So Processes are important, Mm -hmm, and they're there for a reason, and if you don't understand, just ask why.
0: (laughs) That's right. All right, so Jacqueline, Laura, and I recently attended the National SHRM Conference that is targeted at HR professionals in Chicago, Illinois. So our final two topics have different perspectives
2: based on our experiences there. So, Laura, why don't you go first? I will go first because I found it very interesting. And I attend a lot of conferences in the many years I have been working. <laughs> don't <laughs> we date yourself. say how many. But, you know, even if it's just the state conference or a local conference or, you know, this National SHRM conference, which was wonderful, by the way, I see so many people that show up to these things that, you know, they look like they're, you know, maybe going to go out and do some gardening in their backyard or something. <laughs> or, you know, you see people that maybe will show up for the first class or two, the first learning session, and then they'll cut out for, you know, half the day. Oh. And it just, it's kind of upsetting to me because this was a really great conference that we went to. And I did see a lot of people very professionally dressed, don't get me wrong. But then you saw just the opposite. And you saw people sometimes behaving in ways that, you know, don't represent their company very well. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's always been kind of a sore spot with me because I always behave myself. That's for the good. most part, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> and I always try to dress as I would if I was in the office.
0: You look the same to me as you I did every other exactly day. Exactly the
2: same. <laughs> same old boring me, but <laughs> no. <laughs> but you know, you did see a wide, wide range of how people were dressed. Again, you know, some look like they were, you know, just got done exercising. You know, in their oh boy, uh, yeah, and it just it. I don't know. I guess I'd just like to get everybody else's opinion on, because I think you're representing your company anywhere. You You have a big badge. It's got their name on it. And And to me, it leaves a bad impression. I remember the first time I
0: went on business travel. You know, my manager at the time pretty much, you know, let me know that I was a representative of my company. My company was the one Mm -hmm. who was sending me there. Um, I was working. yeah. um, So I should... You know, I should be considered that I'm on the clock, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of resonated with me every time I'm out and about. Mm -hmm. Because you're right. It's like you're people are looking at what company you're coming from. They're Mm -hmm. not really care about what your name is. Right. They're like, oh, what company are you from? How can we sell you this or that? Mm -hmm. Mm
3: -hmm. So I think that's important to remember. And I would agree with that. We do have a relaxed work environment as far as um, dress attire here. We do. We do wear jeans. Yeah, we that. we can wear t shirts, um, but at the conference, I did dress up. Right. I dressed up mm-hmm. more than I would normally. Yeah, in well, the you office. should. Mm-hmm. You should. I wore. I even wore um, pantyhose. I mean, is that oh, word yeah. even correct anymore? I think it is. <laughs> but yeah. you know what I mean. that yeah. I mean, I, right. I definitely took it up a notch for the exact reason that Laura had said, and then that you had said, Lynn. It's. You want to give a good first impression. And if you bump into someone that you know Mm -hmm. sort of indirectly, you don't want to be embarrassed to go up to them. You want to feel confident and good about yourself and walk up to them and introduce yourself and, um, you know.
0: Yeah, because not everyone gets to go. Yeah, right. No,
2: it's a
1: privilege. I I think um, for me, and I wasn't at this conference, you know, but um, just being aware that is my number one thing probably be modesty. I don't care if you should be wearing that or shouldn't be wearing that. I don't think that a work professional setting or a conference or something where you're representing a company is a time to show off that you have a great body or you, you know, like I just don't think Mm -hmm. that it's appropriate. Mm -hmm. Like dress just conservative, dress modest and um, just professional and look nice and pull yourself together. And I think that if you follow those two main rules, like you're probably going to be okay.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. And try to show up to, you know, most of the sessions. I felt bad because on the first day, literally, you know, these ballroom areas sat, you know, maybe 1,000, 1,500 people in a session. And they were packed. And there was room in the outer area where they were showing, you know, the overflow group.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And
2: the last one of the day, which I realize is at 4 o'clock and it goes to, you know, 5 or so, there was, I mean, it was sad. There was maybe 10% of the seats filled for the last guy. And he was a great speaker. You know, and they spend a lot of money on these Uh people, and they come from far away, and I I really felt horrible. Yeah, that's a disappointment. It was was awful. Yeah, that's always a a bummer. I think, um,
0: and Jacqueline, you've spoken at uh, conferences before, Mm -hmm. and I think you're very aware of what time slot you get. Yeah, yes, when you're speaking. Probably it, because of this, right? Uh,
3: exactly. When you get that early bird session or that end of day session, you kind of go into it saying, well, we'll make the best of it and we'll make sure that we give a really great presentation to the people who are there. Because to Laura's point, they are sort of thinking, well, my boss isn't really here. So yeah, if I right, miss the yeah. early bird session, it's going to be okay. Or if I duck out an hour early, nobody will notice. But people do notice, yeah. and um, the speakers definitely notice, yeah. too. And, you know, and that sort of overall can impact the session because what if next year they say, you know what, I really don't want to speak that last mm-hmm. one, so if that's going to be my slot, then I just don't want to participate. Yeah. And right. now that sort of right can yeah. impact the whole overall conference quality.
1: Absolutely. There was uh, one other thing when I was looking through some of the, the pictures that you guys brought back that I noticed, and this was more for um, – Appearance-wise for exhibitors, but I noticed that some of the exhibitors had like a a common theme dress code. They would be wearing the same colored shirt, collared mm-hmm. shirt, black slacks, whatever it may be. Um, but I noticed that there were some exhibitors there um, that are bigger names where you probably, if I said them, would know what their uniforms look like. And I know that we've all been in the store before and accidentally asked somebody, like, excuse me, do you work there? Because they're wearing the company oh, uniform yeah. Yeah. without even realizing it, you know? So, and I saw that. I saw that there were some exhibitors. I was like, oh, they look like they work at XYZ company. Um, so I think that as an exhibitor, if you're going to plan like a uniform outfit for your team, to keep that in mind, check out who's exhibiting there. Check out, you know, mm-hmm. is this a common uniform at any any big name companies? Because that's what they're going to relate when they see you.
0: So, based on that, Azure, why don't we go into my topic? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's, <laughs> so,
1: hopefully, but, we're done with our the last topic. Good yeah, yeah. transition.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, what about when you do work a trade show and you're representing your company and trying to generate interest in your products and services? What are some tips on how to best work a show? and maybe not how to work a show. So, Azure,
1: you started by dress code. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. I think I would also add eye contact and firm handshake to that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, um,
3: any other comments or uh, reflections on what we've seen? I think you should keep in the back of your mind at all times that you're probably going with a small group of your current coworkers. And bottom line is you're coworkers and you might be friends, and but you still need to maintain your professionalism because people do talk. And if you're out drinking after the the, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the conference and, you know, you or get up in the morning and you look sloppy, I mean, it's going to get back. Um, if your boss happens to be there and you're working a booth, work it to the best of your ability. Impress that person. This is a privilege that you're there. So take mm-hmm. it seriously, and if they ask you Even to... Even if your boss isn't there. Well, yes, def, it, it, absolutely. Yeah, if your boss is yeah. there, you know, and, and if your boss isn't there, I mean, you definitely want to show them that they made the right decision in selecting to send you. So if they ask you to do something, you know, do it.
0: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, you're breaking up a good point, Jacqueline, because, again, you know, my advice when I had first gone traveling, it was like I'm representing the company from beginning to end, even on what you would consider my hours. So if I'm like going out to dinner, either, you know, in a, with mm-hmm. a group of people I don't know or with people I do know, I'm always like on the clock, so to speak, in terms of behavior. Mm-hmm. And yes.
1: Just yeah. overall.
0: Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Which, because, you know, it's OK. It's it, easy. Because
1: people recognize you. They like do. if somebody came to the booth and talked to you, Lynn, and they mm-hmm. remember talking to you, but you talked to you. 300 people that day and then right. you go out to eat and they're sitting across the restaurant they're like oh that's mm-hmm. that was the the woman that was working at the Infosoft, you know group <laughs> right, booth right. or whatever um then or the local job network booth um then you they're gonna know that and you might not even realize that or like what Jacqueline was saying if you go out drinking with some of your coworkers, and you're on your off hours somebody yeah. still might recognize you that you were mm-hmm. there
2: one of the other things that I I just it's a small thing but I always notice it at conferences in a lot of the other booths. I don't notice it in our booth, thankfully. But a lot of times you'll see the vendors eating and drinking. Yes, And And. it's just kind of a little bit of a pet peeve, especially if there's more than one of them there. I mean, if there's only one person working in the booth, you can almost understand it. Right. But usually, especially these larger conferences, there's at least two, three, four, you know, sometimes six to ten people there. You know, take turns and go in the lunch area, sit down and eat it. It just, I don't feel comfortable coming up to people interrupting their meal. (laughs) Right. And, you know, if I want information, I'm more likely to walk by rather Mm -hmm. than, it's just a deterrent. And you're not talking
1: about somebody that just has like a bottle of water and just takes a quick swig and like puts it back down.
2: No, but even that, I mean, I think that that stuff, and I thought we did, our booth did a great job at that. I think that stuff was all very behind the scenes. So they weren't Mm -hmm. like sitting out there with a bottle in their hand. Right. Because I think that, you know, you look otherwise engaged. And if you're, you know, you're hoping to get customers and to spread the word about your product. And I think that the more you can do to make it welcoming for the people coming in, the better. And I just don't really feel welcome if I'm interrupting your mail. Right.
0: I think the other thing, too, that I found interesting is, um, and Jacqueline and I were talking about this, anyone is a potential customer. Right. Yeah. So... A lot of us had um, exhibitor badges on and we would walk around and we were interested because we work at a company and the services were, you know, they could Mm -hmm. be sold to us just as well as the full conference attendees. But because we had exhibitor badges on. Um, other exhibitors really didn't want to spend a lot of time engaging with us and trying to sell yeah. us their products and services and it was kind of interesting because we are we were interested but there was like oh I gotta talk to someone who's attending yeah you know and it's like hey we're, you know, we're all equal. Yes. friendly to well, everybody. And, and
3: it's interesting, too, because I was with Lynn at a particular booth who did this. We were with someone who Lynn had the exhibitor pass. I had the exhibitor pass. And this other person that we were with had an attendee day pass. And Lynn mm. was there asking a bunch of questions about products and services. Doesn't really realize that Lynn is the one who can pull the trigger. Yeah. Then this individual switches his attention to the person that has the attendee pass, which oh, cannot pull the trigger and which right. would have to go through yeah. several layers mm-hmm. to get anything to move forward. Mm-hmm. And it was just amazing how he just ignored mm-hmm. he ignored Lynn. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was wow. just interesting. Huh. And, you know, again, it's like I was interested enough that, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to let that sway me. Right. But it was
3: kind of like, yeah, remember, people, you oh. know, everyone— yeah. Is a potential cl- customer yeah. and you yeah. don't know who's going to pull the trigger.
1: You never right. know. Yeah. And going back to um, what Jacqueline had said about like going out and drinking and things like that, I think just to touch on smell, <laughs> oh. <laughs> because um, you know if you if you uh, uh, you know if you smell like alcohol and oh. guess what you can smell vodka, contrary <laughs> to <of> belief, but <laughs> I'm just saying there is a smell. <laughs> too, if you've been out drinking the night before and you think that you're oh, all put together yeah. and you're fine or yeah. you just w- came in from like a smoke break, you know, and you have somebody that's walking up to you, they're going to smell that. And that's, I mean, mm-hmm. just uh, it looks kind of trashy. It smells trash, You know, you, yeah. Yeah. you don't want to maybe be representing your company that way. So Clean clothes, clean body. That's yeah.
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for today, ladies. If you would like to suggest topics for discussion on the LGN Radio Quad, send a message to LGn Radio at localjobnetwork.com. Tell us about some process improvements that you are especially proud of. For Jacqueline Peterson, Azure Mahara, and Laura McBain, I'm Lynn Molitor. Thanks for listening.